Jesus has traveled extensively throughout Galilee. Commentators say probably for about three years. Now he returns home. He has stilled a storm. He has healed demonics. He's restored a young woman to life. And he has healed a young girl along the way. And his hometown folks just aren't impressed or interested at all in hearing anything about it. Nothing. And our text tells us that they took offense at him. After all, they knew his family. They knew his parents. They knew his siblings. They knew him. And it would appear that the people of Nazareth were not overly impressed with Jesus' family or with Jesus, let alone prepared to believe in Jesus or follow him. And we all know that a prophet is never welcome in his own home or his own hometown. You know, his neighbors had him all boxed up. They had a very clear picture of who they thought Jesus was. They believed they had Jesus completely figured out. Coming home from mission trip with our youth group a few weeks ago at my last church, we stopped by Six Flags. I saw a little kid with the biggest ice cream cone I've ever seen. He was just tiny, and he had the best t-shirt saying that I'd seen all summer long so far. I'm much more, it said, than meets the eye. And you could just tell that he believed that because of the look in his eye and how he was attacking that cone. That kid was all over that cone. It was cuter than a bug. I just loved it. We are all, always more than meets the eye. But you know, other people are exactly as we see them. Isn't that how we most often think? Whenever we think like that, we simply are forgetting that the eyes of faith call us, call us who follow Jesus, to see others with fresh eyes. And so despite his rejection at home in Nazareth, Jesus calls 12 disciples and he begins to send them out two by two. He sends them out to preach, to teach, and to heal, to share deeds of power. John Shea, the great Catholic theologian, calls it three expressions. The single activity of kingdom building. They were called and they were commissioned to share the good news with those who had eyes to see who Jesus was and ears 
to hear of Jesus' deeds and to follow Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength. As a church, we are called to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Christ. And we are to be the sent ones, the apostles. The apostles who have been given gifts and power that exist through the community of faith. Only through the community of faith. No one does anything alone. And our mission and ministry here at Clarkston is very clear. I love it. To connect people to people and people to God. That's what we're all about. Mother Teresa once put on her business cards, the fruit of silence is prayer, the fruit of prayer is faith, and the fruit of faith is love, and the fruit of love is service, and the fruit of service is peace. As individuals, or as a faith community, if we need a scorecard, in my mind, that's it. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace that passes all understanding. But it all begins with our attentiveness through silence and through prayer. And so Jesus commands the disciples to take nothing with them but a staff and to go to the people who would be open to God's love and God's word. Perhaps you and I reflect that spiritual equivalent of following Jesus when we spend time reflecting on scripture and opening ourselves then to meditating on God and God's word. Those of us who have ears and eyes and hearts for God. This story is told not only in Mark's gospel, but also in Matthew and Luke's. And in all of the three synoptic gospels, they refer to a prophet as not being welcome in their own home or their own hometown among their kin and their countrymen. And I'm reminded that once we commit to serving Jesus, there simply can be no turning back. We trust God for our provisions, just like Jesus did. We take no bread, no bag, no money. Only our staff, which in my mind is God's word, and then the clothes on our back, and the shoes on our feet. Because we believe. We believe as disciples. And we trust that God will provide for our every need. It takes great faith. We don't have it every day. It's been said that at best we have spiritual moments during the day. We all need to be reminded. It's why we're all here today. Shea says, having been 
at many debriefings in his lifetime, he says, I can see it now. The disciples return with a walking stick, sandals, and a tunic, but still without bread, bag, or money. As they tell Jesus what they did and what they taught, and he asks them, what did you lack? Anything? And they say to their master, nothing. And Jesus simply says, ah, ah. Richard Foster says that when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. When we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. There's great freedom in that. If we voluntarily choose to be taken advantage of, then we cannot be manipulated. When we choose to be a servant, we surrender the right to decide who and when we will serve, and we become available, and we become vulnerable. When we welcome and trust God, who is working through Christ, we become the faithful ones. Thomas Kelly, the great Quaker scholar, says that where the will to will God's will is present, there is a child of God, and I would add, there is a servant, because we are always children of God. Where the will to will God's will is present, there is a child of God. There is a servant. We all know that the learning environment is most important if we are going to learn anything. Everything must be taken in context. Jesus preached all over Galilee. He did many miracles through preaching, teaching, and healing. Jesus suffers rejection in his hometown and yet turns right around and sends out his beloved friends and disciples to be apostles, to preach, to teach in his name. He does not let his hometown friends and family get him down. And that's not easy, and you know it. But I believe it happened because he knew his mission was not about him. He knew that his mission was far more than that. And he knew that his hometown friends and family were not ready to receive him as a prophet, let alone as their savior. People knew Jesus not as a prophet. They knew him as a little boy. When I go back home to Grand Rapids, some of my family still calls me Junior. It drives me crazy. 
unbelievable, actually. But, they, but uh, you know, I mean, some people never move on. And with some things, it's true of all of us. They knew him as a little boy, a young man. He was Carpenter's son. He wasn't the son of God to them. Some of them probably just thought he was showing off. Truth be told. Jesus did not let that little village change his calling. He just shook the dust off his sandals. He went in a new direction. Despite his love for his friends and neighbors and his family. Jesus' home was really not Nazareth. It was with God. And I believe, Jesus believed, that when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. We surrender the right to decide who and when we will serve. We simply become available and vulnerable. That's why Jesus went to Nazareth in the first place. As a matter of fact, that's why I believe Jesus went anywhere. He was called to go there. How accepting are we of God's call upon our lives and upon the lives of others? If it's low, my suggestion this morning is that you call it Nazareth, a place of little bread. But if it's high, I suggest you call it Galilee, the breadbasket of Israel. The difference all boils down to how available and how vulnerable we make ourselves to God. Amen.